The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. Liberty weeps. Our forefathers back to Republic Broadcasting Network and the Rebel and the Renegade. We only have one Renegade tonight, and that is my good buddy, a fellow host at Republic Broadcasting Network, and that would be none other than Stephen Douglas Whitener. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Mike. Thanks so much for having me here, and howdy, RBN. I'm glad to be a renegade. I guess I've been called worse, too, but I've always been a little bit of renegade, so yeah, well, glad to be here, sir. I'm doing good. I, I told some folks last night that the only thing I want on my tombstone is rebel. Oh. Don't care about anything else. That's all I want. But uh, let's... Uh, you know, let's get a little homework done here, folks, and if there is any way possible that you can, we really hope that you will step out there and support free speech. And the way you can do that is to support RBN. It is not a small matter to keep a platform like this going day after day after day after day and to keep it professional. And so we ask that if free speech is important to you in any way whatsoever, whatever you can afford, please help RBN. And with that being said, uh, Stephen, uh, I thought tonight that we would jump in to an election and talk about an election. How would you like to do that? Okay, which one? 1860. All right. Because I'm going to guarantee you, you were not taught the facts about the 1860 election. Neither were, neither was anyone else in this country that I can find that was actually taught the truth about what happened in the 1860 election. And go ahead. I don't re- remember covering a whole lot about the Civil War in any detail after the third grade. We took, when it, back in the 60s, when I was in school, we studied South Carolina history in third grade, and I don't think they cover half the things anymore in school that we did then at that time. It's just gone now. When I, you know, A lot of things that have happened have, have just gone by the wayside. And even then, you know, we know things were distorted too, but yeah, I don't remember hearing anything about the 1860 election, no, sir. Well, you know, it's really strange when we get to looking at it because I really did a deep dive in this thing because I found it extremely, you know, they say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And 
you know, I'm looking at some dynamics which uh, are really concerning considering we've got an election coming up in 2024. And when I look at the similarities between 1860 and 2024, it gets a little concerning. And here is the fact I don't think most people are even aware of, is that Abraham Lincoln in 1860 only got 39% of the vote. And the he was able to become president because his opposition had split. And so one has to wonder what caused them to split. Why did they not form a uniform base? And when you really get in-depth into this, you will find that this entire election centered around immigration. Now, that is the thing that is really strange. And then I found out that one of the things that happened is the state of Massachusetts in 1859. Now, we know that we had had an influx of Marxists out of Europe for since 1848. So they had been coming in for 11 years by that time. And so we have, uh, you know, this thing in Massachusetts where the Massachusetts legislature looks around and says, you know, we can't let foreigners who weren't born here, who have no connection here, be the deciding factor in an election. So the uh, they passed an amendment to their state constitution stating that no one in the state of Massachusetts would be allowed to vote unless they had established two years' residency within that state. Well, Stephen, do you find anything wrong with that? That sounds reasonable to me. I mean, Well, it split the country, uh, not the South, but it split the North and the West. Now, we have to remember that both California and Oregon voted in the 1860 election. Most people are unaware of that, but both of those states far west actually voted. Uh, and their votes, you know, went a long way towards putting Abraham Lincoln into office, especially Oregon. And, <clears throat> pardon me, so the split comes and all of a sudden the Republican Party starts all over the north and west starts saying, oh, no. Uh, Massachusetts can't get by with that. We cannot allow this to happen. We cannot allow anyone to set restrictions on voting. And so then the Republican Party, the brand new, almost brand new Republican Party, they had fielded a presidential candidate in uh, 1856. And according to Carl Schurz, who we, S-C-H-U-R-Z, who we will get into in some detail, According to Carl Schurz, that even then, that the uh, John C. Fremont, who was the Republican candidate in 1856, that he had garnered somewhere between 350 to 400 thousand immigrant votes back then, even though he lost. And so suddenly we have the Democrat and the Republican parties vying for the illegal, well, they weren't illegal at the time back then, 
But the aliens who had come in, who were not American-born, suddenly we have the Republican Party and the Democrat Party fighting for those votes. That would tell us that they knew they were instrumental, don't you think, Stephen? It seems so, yeah. And, and there was a big influence of all the failed revolutionaries, too, from Europe at that time, too. Yes, and Carl Schurz was one of them. So would you believe that the Republican Party decided to create within their own party a foreign branch? And they put Carl Schurz in charge of that. And Carl Schurz then sends out teams of people all over the north and into the west and they are to go and to lecture people in a foreign language to vote and to support Lincoln. And the newspapers, you know, I read about Iowa, I read about Ohio, I read about quite a few of the newspapers. And many of the newspapers had German names. And they that is one of the first things that the Marxists did when they came in to America was started buying up newspapers. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So then we have uh, Carl Schurz sent out teams of people from the Republican Party to go speak to all of the aliens, all of the immigrants, and he was actually sent them out in nine foreign languages. They were preaching for Lincoln in nine foreign languages. What would that tell you, Stephen? They had a plan. It was thought out beforehand to come here, try to do what they couldn't get done in Europe, I think. And, and it was like the uh, stage was set for the what they when they would do it again other places, too. But I think that's what was going on. Well, I think you are spot on because the Republican Party, in order to secure these illegal – well, I keep using illegal – I'm sorry about that. They weren't illegal at the time. They were immigrants, but they were not American-born, so they had no relationship whatsoever with this country other than the fact they were living here. So then we have to look at Abraham Lincoln. One of the things he does, one of the first things he does is he goes out and buys himself a German newspaper in Chicago. Now, very few people knew he owned that newspaper, but that newspaper was pushing Marxist propaganda, just like his buddy uh, Harsh Greeley was doing with the New York Tribune. So here is Lincoln owning a newspaper that is pushing for the illegal vote, or the immigrant vote. To me, the alien, maybe. The they're alien. an alien vote. I mean, if they weren't born here, like you said, their allegiance isn't to this land and this country, and their blood doesn't come from here, so it's in any you know that that's where their their allegiance is to what brought them here and to power. You would think more than anything else. That's that's the impression from I got from what I have learned about it so far. Well, would you believe that the Republican Party in there? Of course, it was founded by Marxists. There were nineteen members of the uh, Communist Party who were delegates to the uh, eighteen sixty convention. And so uh, that's that's a pretty good amount. And so we also know that the Republican Party, in order to secure this alien vote, 
put a plank in their platform which said that this party will not be controlled by native-born Americans. What does that tell you? Diversity, equity, and inclusion back in the 1860s. It's like, oh, man, the whole thing, it just, it, it's been going on a while. I guess. That's, that's what struck me when you said that was wow. And it also struck me that right now, I just read, read about this yesterday, that over half of the jobs that, have been, you know, there are no jobs going to native-born Americans. Now all the job increases for the past three years. Four years have gone to foreign-born people. Oh, oh, yeah. As uh, our friend Blackbird Nine would say, "Echo, echo, echo." Right? Yeah, I'm noticing patterns. (laughs) Okay, well, let's just stop and think about something. Uh, Do you know how many votes that Abraham Lincoln got in Alabama? No, sir. Not one. How many votes did uh, Abraham Lincoln get in Arkansas? None again, maybe I don't know. Yeah, what about uh, Florida? None. What about Georgia? None. What about Kentucky? That I can't say for sure. It was on okay. the board. They got 0.9 percent of the election in Kentucky went to uh, <laughs> went to Mr. Lincoln. Zero point nine percent. How many votes did he get in Louisiana? I guess none again, but uh, maybe not. There was okay. New Orleans down there. He it could have be, been a- No, it was zero. He got not one. What percentage of the vote did he get in Maryland? Uh, I, I'm going to guess none again, but I, I, it's probably not. None. Okay, I'm not trying to put you on the spot yeah, here, buddy. Was, but, uh, yeah, Maryland... Maryland, he got 2.5% of the vote there. He got 0% of the vote. He got not a single vote in Mississippi. In Missouri, he got all of 10% of the vote. Okay, in North Carolina, he didn't get a vote. Okay, in Tennessee, he didn't get a vote. In Texas, he didn't get a vote. In Virginia, he got 1.1% of the vote. So how could anyone begin to say that all of all he was able to do was to win the northern states that were controlled in most instances by foreign-born delegates? Now, in Calcutta's... Yeah, yes, who had just and, and come, had just come here uh, after trying to uh, create this big revolution in different countries in Europe, and now they're going to, you know, try again here and perfect the craft. I guess it just I, once I look at it from that point of view, you know, Mike, it just completely changes the way things, the way you've looked at the world before, you know, and then it's hard to hard to take in sometimes, and and I'll forget that. Uh, I still will look at the world in the same viewpoint I had before. Sometimes it, it it's hard to adjust, you know. It, it it really has been this way a while. It's nothing. There's nothing we're going to be able to go back to that 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 was a golden age for this country. It never was, in my opinion. 
Well, you know, it, we were taught it was, and I think that is a misnomer. But just to cover every other state, Stephen, and I won't ask you yes. the question here. I'll just give the figures. In California, he got 32.3% of the vote. In Connecticut, he got 58.1% of the vote. In his home state of Illinois, he only got 50.7% of the vote. Neighboring Indiana, he got 51% of the vote. In Iowa, he got 54.6% of the vote. In Maine, he got 62%. In Massachusetts, he got 62.8%. In Michigan, he got 57.2%. Minnesota, he got 63.4%. And we've covered the other. New Hampshire, he got 56%. New Jersey, he only got 48% of the vote. New York, he got 53.7, Ohio, 52.3, Oregon, 36.1% of the vote. Pennsylvania, 56%, Rhode Island, 61.4%. But in Vermont, he got 75% of the vote. And in Wisconsin, he got 56% of the vote. Now, the interesting part is there was a book that I found and I had to get it out of a Canadian university. But I found a book titled The Ethnic Vote in the 1860 Election. And there was a 1809, I mean, a, uh, yes, 1809 was when, uh, 1909 was when it was absol- actually published. And they state unequivocally Without the foreign-born vote, Abraham Lincoln would have never been elected. So what we're looking at here, and what I'm trying to draw here, Stephen, is a correlation between 1860 and today. Now, what's going to happen? Here's my question coming out here. What is going to happen if suddenly, in the next few months here in America... Suddenly, Joe Biden steps up and says, I'm going to follow the precedent set by that wonderful President Republican Ronald Reagan, and I'm going to grant amnesty to all of the immigrants in America today, and therefore, they will all be entitled to vote. <laughs> Who are they going to vote for? Uncle Joe. Or whoever yeah. runs in his place if he's, too, if he's yeah. too feeble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I you know and we have to look at these things hypothetically and what are the Republicans going to say if Joe Biden points to the wonderful Ronald Reagan and says, "Well, he did it, I can do it." Where's the argument? I don't think they have one. It's <clears throat> and it is a big parallel with that too because these people are coming up uh that uh, path. I've seen films of them, and people are asking them, who do you prefer? And they're all chanting, Biden, Biden. He invited us to come. And more coming in than have been born here since he's been in office. What does that tell you? And that scenario, that's perfect scenario to ensure one-party rule in this country from here on, just like in China, basically. I mean, you know, that if you want to, yeah. Well, Stephen, we've talked about this on previous programs, and here's the thing that, you know, with uh, three weeks ago, Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois, how appropriate, the land of Lincoln, uh, 
he comes out and states we because our recruiting is down in the United States military we must get these immigrants into uniform wherever we can to secure their citizenship and then two days later guess what we get we get the wonderful Mark Levin on one of his programs with a beautiful picture, big picture of Abraham Lincoln behind him. And he says, it's time this country went back to the principles of the great Abraham Lincoln. Kind of sound like Donald Trump, didn't he? We got to get back to the great principles of Abraham Lincoln. And we've got to put these new immigrants into military uniform. Well, I even heard talk talk that they were going to allow some of them to serve in local police. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't think we uh, hear an echo, echo, echo coming here because it is coming. And I just don't understand why Americans can't figure this out. Now, this, this it's beginning to look ominous, especially, Stephen, when we consider how many of these immigrants went into the Union Army? 538,000 immigrants were in the Union Army, over half a million. And then I think the other thing we have to look at is look at what they did to the civilians of the South. Yeah. Exactly. It was, it was pre-Bolshevik uh, revolutions. It just they they did that to to the South before the Holodomor even thing with the burning Georgia down. It was it was a horrible horrible thing. It it, it uh, was a couple of weeks ago. You were reading the letters from Columbia, South Carolina, while or the diaries maybe in the letters as well for people while the, all that was going on. And that wasn't even the most savage things that were done. Burning no. Columbia was the, the very kind of coup de grace kind of thing at the end. Well, the thing of it is, is if you go to the official records, you know, of the War of the Rebellion. Now, these are not Southern records. These are in the National Archives. And if you go through those, you will find out that the criminal actions of the Union Army against the citizens of the border states and the south especially in missouri man i haven't done a substack on that one yet and i'm i'm the more i look at it it's going to take two, two substacks to cover the atrocities that were done in missouri but when we look at the there were atrocities being done against the citizens of the south before the first major battle of the war which was the battle of first manassas before in northern Virginia, before the first battle actually happened, there were rapes, there were thefts of property, and these were civilians. These weren't soldiers. And I think that is gives us an ominous look, Stephen, at mm-hmm. what's coming. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. I saw this uh, sheriff uh, or a local sheriff in Ohio had come back 
how and they had tried to meet with Biden who wouldn't, but I think the FBI piece person was warning them bad stuff is coming and no one's coming to help you basically, and, and it just that that just sounded really ominous to me too. It was so sounded so pre nine eleven things that 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 were people were being told before that they were expect they knew there was this terrorist attack coming it was going to come from osama bin laden people were warning that's going to happen they're signaling it and now they're doing the same thing with opening the border and telling all of the local law enforcement, oh all our in you know the border's been open our enemies have come in or what people we went and bombed these people now they they hate us we let them in so you know something bad's going to happen when it does you're on your own and people keep voting for more of those people but that's what just I don't know, Mike. <clears throat> it flabbergasts me sometimes. I'm sorry, don't don't mean to go off on that tangent there, but it just, uh, just reminded me of that. You know? It's just yeah, that's that's probably coming this year. The color revolution of the United Socialist States of America well, to set it up permanently, once and for all, that they're they're planning it probably this selection cycle. I don't know the details of what they're wargaming, but something's coming. And this stuff with Trump in the uh, New York City and, and taking, what, half a billion dollars from him? I mean, it's to the level of where they're sanct- going and sanctioning the Russians, too. It's like this this arrogance of these people in your face. And I, I don't know the last vestige of humanity left. The truckers that deliver the goods, you know, are going to say, uh-uh, we're done with that. And I, I don't know. It's coming down to some kind of existential crisis like that somewhere. The way it did uh, when they were headed for the border or wherever they were headed for there in Canada at the end of the the truckers started to fight back. And then, well, okay, COVID season's over. Put up your war decorations for a while. But now what's coming next, I don't know. Well, Stephen, I think the time is coming that we will see just as our ancestors, just as our Confederate ancestors, not only our Confederates, but in the border states as well. I think we are about to see part two of this, and I think we're going to see people marching down our streets in American military uniforms who can't even speak English, who will be carrying weapons that we're not allowed to own. What do you think? I think that my it could look like that, and and I expect it to look in some ways like the Cultural Revolution did too over in China, the way that they're indoctrinating all of the kids, especially high school age and younger now, at the, in the public school system, and any that they'll unleash that too. That that just it just seems like they're pulling all the plugs at once sometimes, Mike, to be honest with you. That it's just that, that everything is getting pumped up so high they know it's going to bust maybe. I don't know. It, it can look like that. <laughs> but but I do think that, that the parallels definitely are there between the election cycle of Lincoln and the one coming up and the, the immigration and the illegal immigration and the fact that, the let's say, the – federally the national government in charge what is not the ally or uh, or the friend of the states and the people what's left of the common people what's left of the original 13 that were here you know what was left of those states that they betrayed and stabbed in the back with the convention what was left they tried to 
they wiped out those states with the Confederacy, those 13. They had to get rid of that, too. And that it's just the whole world has been under this boot since. They keep pumping up that money. Once they got the money power uh, associated with the Federal Reserve and could pump it up to infinity and beyond, then all bets are off. They could just get away with anything they want, actually they believe. But there's some laws that you can't violate. Laws of nature you can't go against, you know, and they, they keep trying. These people that, that, that plan the wars and have done all this, the, the bankers and, and the think tanks, the ones that have war-gamed this thing with uh, the elections and everything, that I don't understand how, what, where they think they're going to get out of this. It's just I don't see a way out, Mike. It's like they keep pushing it more and more. Oh, big I hear music. I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to go up to the music. Oh, let me, you're let me fine. <laughs> you're fine, buddy. We've got a break coming up, and we'll be back on the other side. People, support RBN, please. tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. 
Shiroji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiroji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. for the renegades people because without the renegades you would be even more of a slave than you are today so welcome back folks to the republic broadcasting network here on the 18th day of february in the year of 2024 and while the break was going on there Stephen, i looked at my notes and there was something i forgot to mention do you know by any chance what Abraham Lincoln's election slogan was in 1860? Yes, sir. Vote yourself a farm. Oh, there you go. And he knew that would appeal to these immigrants who had just come into the country. Free stuff. You know, vote yourself a farm because then we will, you folks will be given free territory here, there, out west. We've got all of this land out there. We're going to give to you people if you'll just vote for me. Vote yourself a farm. Now, when I started thinking about that, you know, I started going back and thinking about, Stephen, have you ever heard of a gentlemen i'm not sure if he's still a professor at the university of nevada las vegas but have you ever heard of a gentleman named hans herman hoppe uh, i have heard that name but i forgot the context okay he was he wrote 20 some years ago 
something that we should have been paying attention to. And he said that immigrants who come into your country because you're going to give them free stuff will never become the proper citizens because they're coming for free stuff. They are, And then once they are told that if they come here and get free stuff, they start taking what belongs to others as their free stuff. And that is no more true than the 1860 election when these people moved into the south and the border states. And, you know, when they went into Missouri, they ordered three, the people in three counties to move out. They gave them, I think, three or four days to load up all their stuff and to move completely out of the counties. And, you know, Hans Hermann Hermann Hoppe, you know, he had just a, he said, if, you have a country where you don't give away, if you don't have a welfare system, if you don't give away stuff, the people who will migrate to your country will come for opportunity. And to be, and to get that opportunity, they will become affiliated with your country. They will not remain aloof and pretend that they have other... But if you entice them to come in, with all kinds of free stuff, which is exactly what we're doing now. And what's different now in giving them free stuff and Lincoln saying, vote yourself a farm. So go ahead, buddy. And and then they recruited them to the military and said, go steal yourself a farm. That same kind of paradigm has been played over and over again in other places around the world, too. I'm sure that's the way they enticed the people in uh, to go into the Donbass and take that half of Ukraine, too. They enticed them to go over here. Go go take what you want from the Syrians here. Go for, you know, it's just uh, that kind of th- – sorry, so that, that was boiling underneath my thoughts, too. They come well, in on one – you know, not just for – maybe enticed over here that there's free stuff, but then they get armed and sent out to fight for these same people that brought them over here against who? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it gets troubling sometimes when you look at it from 30,000 feet. (laughs) We we see these things over and over and over again. And here is the thing. The groundwork has been laid And I don't think many people will understand this. But let's go back a little bit. And I put this in one of my sub stacks. But, you know, there was a back when we lived in Arizona and we were having all of the immigrant problems coming across, uh, destroying property and everything else when they came across. There was a congressman there who was a uh, proud member of the of the uh, Communist Party Party. Democrat, not much difference, but his name was Raul Grijalva, and he wanted the federal authorities to stop the people in southern Arizona from protecting their property from illegal immigrants. He And here's what he had to say. He said, an atmosphere exists in southern Arizona that threatens to ignite in a flashpoint of violence. The words and actions of these groups, read private property owners, are evidence of an armed racial movement intent on taking the law into their own hands. 
We cannot allow the complex issues in the United States-Mexico border policy to be hijacked by individuals who have chosen to break faith with our government and take matters into their own hands. Well, if the government won't protect your property, you think that the people aren't going to protect it? But that, I think, is just a, uh, you know, when we look again at some things, and I'm going to throw some things out here. Uh, and this comes from an article I wrote 20, <laughs> almost 20 years ago, uh, Stephen. And here is part of it. To doubt the millions crossing our border and the millions already here constitute an invasion is baffling. Immigrants migrate for a better way of life. Invaders come to dominate and control. One need only listen to the words and the writings of the invaders and their supporters who brought them here, many of whom are teaching in our institutions of higher learning right here in the United States. Now, folks, how many of you knew when you were paying these wild sums to send your kids to college that they had professors teaching this crap. But here's what they said. One of them in California, one a professor in California named Marie, Mario Abledo said this, and I quote, folks, again, 20 years ago, California is going to be a Hispanic state, and anyone who doesn't like it should leave. They should go back to Europe, unquote. And then another, the border remains a military zone. We remain a hunted people. Now, you think you have a destiny to fulfill in the land that historically has been ours for 40,000 years? And we're a new mestizo nation. And they want us to discuss civil rights. Civil rights? What law made by white men to oppress all of us of color, female and male? This is our homeland. We cannot, we will not, and we must not be made illegal in our own homeland. We are not immigrants that came from another country to another country. We are migrants, free to travel the length and breadth of the Americas because we belong here. We are millions. We just have to survive. We have an aging white America. They are not making babies. They are dying. It's a matter of time. The explosion is in our population. Now, who said that and who taught that? Well, a professor and an attorney at the University of Texas, Arlington, by the name of Jose Angel Gutierrez. That's what he was teaching. Your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah, demographics is destiny. There's, there's no doubt that we are the minority here now i uh went to uh dinner earlier and, and with with my yeah the the white pop in this restaurant i was in probably 30 percent just in my own town here it's that way now it is already and i i i can't imagine that that's going to uh, change anytime soon i don't know where to go now that it's still uh well i think upper peninsula michigan maybe i don't know there's some places left that are still not uh, uh where the white's still a majority but around here it's not that way anymore and it was up until uh, 15 20 years ago easy we're still uh 
it was you wouldn't have thought that and now I, I notice it every time I'm out in public well I think that's true and I uh, you know I used to live in a, a small town a large county but a small town uh, in uh, southwestern Colorado and uh, you know, pretty peaceful place. The whole county, big rural county, had about 25,000 people when I lived there. And, you know, you very seldom ever saw. But the only time we began to see people imported into that area was in 2005 when they brought in immigrants, uh, you know, and other people from uh, Hurricane Katrina and just brought them in and started s- sitting them up. Go ahead. That thing happened here, too. People came in from Katrina. I remember that. That, in some ways, that they, are, they all came with the uh, preloaded cards that they're handing out down there and uh, kind of things like they're doing in Panama. I thought, I thought of the parallels between those two things, too, that I bet some of the same NGO people that were involved with the one are running the other. I just suspect that it's the same kind of thing. I'm not sure. That just... It just smells the same way to me. I'm sorry. Okay. Echo, echo, Don't apologize. Echo. <laughs> Don't apologize. You're spot on, buddy. You're right, spot there on, you buddy. Go. And, but, you know, if people, you know, if you can't put the pieces to this puzzle together, you're blind. You, you And you don't want to see. You have no want to actually see what this is a planned overtaking of this country. And it, these people are patient. They do it in steps, and they do it gradually, and the way they're able to accomplish this is they get 300 million idiots to support it, support their own destruction, to support their own demise. They have to be laughing up their sleeves at this, that they can do this, and they will get so many people to go along with them based on one dynamic, the R's and the D's. It's not about what's right anymore, and it hasn't been in the majority of my lifetime. It's about who can get elected. Well, folks, let's go back to 1860. It was the same thing. They had a party called the Republican Party that said, put in their platform, we will not be controlled by native-born people. It's just amazing. It's just amazing, Stephen. Uh, one more uh, quote here from, um, you know, from one of these uh, professors. And I uh, here it is. I quote, the ultimate ideology is the liberation of Azatlan. Communism would be closest to it. Our Once Azatlan is established, ethnic cleansing, cleansing would then commence. All non-Chicanos would have to be expelled. Opposition groups would be quashed because you have to keep power. Now, this is being taught in American universities 20 years ago. Pardon me. Chokes me up. And who said that? Miguel Perez of Cal State Northridge. Now, this is being taught to our kids 20 years ago. What do you think they think today? They were taught this in college. Their parents paid good money that they worked hard for to put them through college. Go ahead, Stephen. 
And now they're running a diversity, equity, and inclusion program down at the factory where whoever – wherever you are now, whatever. That's that's where they – this cultural revolution generation is, is in charge, that one. And, and the one that's coming up is going to be so much worse. It, it, it goes down to this hyper-intersectionality stuff with the gender and the, just this insanity. You know, it just goes – it goes beyond crazy. That's a clear-cut reconquista kind of thing where we're going to establish this. But the next phase, I don't know. It just I – can't, I can't picture how crazy it would be. Well, I'm going to read you one now. And this, like I said, came from an article I wrote in 2005 after being on the border with the Minutemen. And I wrote this article. And I put these quotes in there because I got them directly from the people who made these quotes. But I'm going to tell you, when I wrote uh, this guy that I'm about to read his, what he's teaching uh, he called the FBI and said that he felt th- he felt threatened by my article because you quoted it. Yeah, because I quoted him. I quote you. I I threaten you by repeating your words. Yes. Okay. That's exactly that what he did, and I did get a call from the FBI. Are you threatening him in any way? I said, read the article, guys. I quoted the man himself. But here it is. Here's the quote. As an academic mission, I'm proposing El Norte as a thesis. But I'm also an advocate of the idea. I myself, through the way I teach my classes and to the students I help form in the classroom, that's my activism. The main incentive would be so people of the same culture, language, and identity can develop their own nation-state under the principle of self-determination, unquote. Now, who was this? The man who (laughs) ratted me out (laughs) to the feds? Chicano Studies Professor Charles Trujillo at the University of New Mexico, who openly advocates that California, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, and Arizona should secede from the United States to form the Chicano Republic of El Norte. Now, Professor Trujillo, who is a self-described disciple of Chicano Marxist terrorist, Raiz Lopez Tijarina. Tijarina and his terrorist group have been advocating retaking the Southwest since the mid-1960s. In June of 1967, Tijarina led his gang in an assault on the courthouse in Tierra Amarilla, New Mexico. During the attack, he proved that his violence was non-discriminatory. They shot fellow Mexican-American jailer Julio Salazar in the face. They pistol-whipped fellow Mexican-American undersheriff Dan Rivera and killed fellow Mexican-American deputy sheriff Nicanor Nicanor. Saison. Professor Trujillo claims that the new nation of El Norte should be established, and I quote him again from his own words, by any means necessary, unquote. 
Now, folks, here are people who have been teaching in our college now for almost for 20 some years promoting ethnic cleansing of the white race. Is that not what our government is basically advocating now, Stephen? Sounds like it to me. Yet, if the League of the South bear dare mention the possibility that maybe you know we should reform, you know, a, a, a republic of our own here, then oh, we are the terrorists. We didn't take over any courthouse, you know, or, or it just. The double standard is obvious, and we have a target on our back. I do believe that we're marked for extermination by the people that they're ramping up in the colleges and universities now and also by the ones that, that are bringing the people in and teaching there, the ones that have been there for 20 years. It's, it's, well, it's obvious to me. you know. I don't, I don't feel it so much among people. Out in public, I say I feel like a minority. I don't feel that hostility with with people so much on a personal level. But when you look at it on the level where we are with the people who are teaching our young and running the country and running this, the ones in charge, you know, those that are better than everybody else, the powers that should not be. Well, in that, once you get to that level, it's pretty obvious. We, I actually have more in common probably with these other people who were here invading me uh, than I do with these people that are manipulating the whole thing, if the truth be told. But that's another subject, I guess. Okay, uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> pardon me. Great comments, Stephen. Uh, let me throw another one at you, folks, from another one of these wonderful professors that we are paying for with tax dollars at these universities to teach our children to hate us. Uh, you know, <clears throat> pardon me again. At some point, Stephen, people are going to look back at the history of this country, should this planet survive. They're going to look back and say, what were the stupidest people in the history of the world, and it's going to be the American citizen. Can you prove me wrong? Not, not now, no. I, I just... We keep falling for it again and again and again. Remember the Maine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like the Pearl Harbor and 9-11 and over there. Gulf of Tonkin. Over there. <laughs> yeah. oh, what was that? That old, tired, old lie, pro patria, something about it where it's, it means it's a true and noble thing to die for one's country. That, that's been repeated over and over again, and we just keep going into the meat grinder. Stephen, the problem is is that the people who join the United States military don't die for their country. They die for the Jewish banking cartel. Exactly. Now, if you once, can convince people you to go that out... Lie. Yes, sir. Exactly. Yes, sir. Now, if you can get people to go out there and die for your pocketbook, they're not, die they're not dying for freedom. If, the, if our military has been fighting for freedom for the past 25 years, how come we ain't got none? Exactly. I mean, I put the parallel yesterday. I talked the Redcoats that we were supposedly fighting against. We've become all yeah. around the world now. You know, yeah. that oppressive British Empire military that was collecting the taxes and rampaging people's houses, you know, going through and, you know, uh, making them quarter them, you know. Well, we're doing that to countries all over the world today 
making them quarter our troops and letting the troops get away with crimes that, that they can't be tried for locally. You know, do you think that makes people love us, y'all? They want to come over here to the land of the free and the home of the brave. No, they won't. Uh-uh. I don't think that's what what's going on here. No. Well, Stephen, have you ever heard of MS-13? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Why was MS-13 created? That I, I I don't know. You'll have to that there it's in El Salvador, uh, but uh, probably in response to something that the the uh, CIA was doing would be my guess. Well, but I can't say. You're right. The CIA, the Christians in Action, they were sending U.S. military special operations groups into Central and South America, uh, killing whoever they came to, trying to overtake the government. You know, so we could implement democracy. Well, do you think the families of those friends didn't organize and decide to come to America to retaliate, and that is why we have a criminal element called MS-13? Blowback. Look and see who the founders of MS-13 were, folks. Do your research. Don't believe what you see on the lobotomy box. It's all a lie. And uh, we're uh, coming up on the uh, top of the hour break. I've got one more uh, comment uh, from a professor that we've been paying exorbitant amounts of money to overthrow our country. I've got another one coming up on that, uh, Stephen. But, uh, uh, you know, buddy, I uh, just wanted to thank you and uh, had a great uh, telephone conversation with Phil Turno today. And... uh, he, uh, he uh, was uh, most appreciative of our efforts yesterday in that program. Yes, and, uh, I'm very proud to have been associated with that. That's, that's so, awesome. Yes, so sir. I wanted to, so I wanted to pass that along. And, uh, you know, as our buddy DW said, all we need to do, Kathy that was on yesterday, Meskins, <laughs> our buddy DW sent me a text and said, all we need to do in this country is wind up Kathy and let her loose. There you go. <laughs> That'll work. That's it. She'll fix the border pretty soon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we need that attitude. We we certainly do. And uh, you know, uh, it, it was it's just great. You know, I sat down and had a nice conversation with Phil. He was so appreciative of everything we're doing, and uh, you know, to try to help, you know, to bring about what actually happened to these men on you know fifty some years ago against the USS Liberty and the fact that we're covering that up still covering it up all the way to now well here comes the music we'll be back on the other side folks RBN I don't think you know but I know that you do cause your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end cause a rich man cause a rich man Politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, in trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, 
and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee that's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.